0: The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Kevin Backers, Director General of RT. Thank you very much for taking the time to join us here on The Last Word. Kevin, in fairness to you, you haven't in any sense over recent months tried to evade RT's responsibility for the problems that it finds itself in. But in the very first page of the document that you issued yesterday, there was a line which I thought was damning for government, because you said, as we await the decision of how public media in Ireland will be funded. And it did strike me, for more than a decade now, even back to when you worked with RT previously, successive governments have ducked dealing with RT's funding requirements in a very changing media environment. So I know you're probably going to have to be careful in what you say, given that you are looking for €40 million from the government next year in funding. But how much of this it's the government's fault for not actually putting rt into a sustainable position
1: look i think the financial position of rt um, you know it's been there's been a catalyst to driving us to the point we're at at the moment which obviously the the appalling events of earlier in the summer but it's been a long time coming and as you right, rightly say when i was here last time rt was already in a difficult financial position now that was understandable at that time that was 2012 not long after the crash here and i don't think rt really could go looking for increased funding at that point. But, you know, the the situation RT is in now with the same remit, with no increase in the licence fee for 15 years, with inflation the way it's been and so on. Um, you know, I think we've reached a point now that I think everyone realises this has to be dealt with now once and for all. And I very much welcome the public commitments of the Minister and the Taoiseach that they are intent on dealing with it as well.
0: But how confident, they make a commitment, they mm. say that, but how quickly is it going to happen? I mean, is 2025 quickly enough, given that you have been making and your predecessors made these calls for years? Yes,
1: uh, look, I think that the timetable they've outlined, if they can deliver it to that timetable, that would be good for us. Um, uh, you know, they've committed to looking at it early in the new year once the two government reports are published and, and are dealt with. Um, of course, there's a sense of urgency. We have the funding now, which are also welcome for 2024, so that we have enough cash to get us through. So it's bought your time? It's bought us time. It's bought us 12 months. We would have run out of cash without that in the spring of 2024. So the interim funding from the government is extremely welcome. It's bought us the time to get to 2025. And, you know, I'm very hopeful. They say they'll deliver it in that time scale. That's their intention. Yeah, but how
0: can you plan for a future RTE if you don't know what the funding model is going to be in the future?
1: It is challenging, and I think, as, as I said when we published the strategy framework yesterday, that this the strategy is very ambitious for RTE and it's ambitious for what we can deliver to our audiences. But it is only deliverable if we have pu- public funding uh, reforms in place and new system of public funding from 25. We can't possibly deliver this otherwise. Uh, in fact, we'd have to be looking at you know a range of cuts or, or more interim funding clearly in twenty twenty five if that's not delivered. But does
0: that not imply the government needs to give you more certainty, more quickly, to allow you to come up with the plan for RT for the future, knowing what your funding from the state will be and knowing what you will be allowed to do in the commercial area? I think it
1: has to be the government has to carefully consider the funding mechanism, and I know the the minister said all options are on the table, and that's a really important part of what they're planning to deliver. The second most important part is we've built this plan on the recommendations of the Future of Media Commission and the level of funding they recommended. So we can only build the plan on those recommendations and on um, the assurances that we've been given publicly by the government that they will resolve funding by 2025. And there is no other option at the moment. That's, That's what we need to look at. That's where we need to show ambition and uh, yes, we're in the hands of the actors and of the government to delivering this for for, for us and for Irish audiences.
0: You suggest that already this year about a five million euro is it has been cut out of costs. Yes. And how much damage do you think, if any, has been done to RT's output by reducing those costs? Uh,
1: there's definitely been some damage done to the output. Um, some of that's been uh, uh, some of that cost has been taken out in terms of uh, freezing recruitment. So we don't have some specialist correspondence in place. We'd like to have. Um, Some of that money's been taken out of, um, you know, programs we would have liked to commission, which we've not been able to commission. The teams have done an incredible job, actually, um, you know, effectively papering over the cracks, as far as that's concerned. And some of it's been taken out of investment in digital products, which I really regret, because we do need to invest in these areas to, to serve audiences properly. So you know, it's by no means ideal, but we need to show that we are dealing with uh, our financial position the best we can in the circumstances we're given.
0: And you said that you will try and get another 10 million out of costs next year. Yeah. But does that suggest then that there are plenty of people working in RT who are able to cover, if you show flexibility, mm. that you'll be able to maintain most of the output, even if you spend less money?
1: I don't think it does show that. The the, the 10 million proposed cuts for next year will have an impact on content. We would like to have been producing. Um, we need to talk to the individual programme teams about exactly what that content is, and then we'll obviously um, announce it publicly. Um, but also part of that £10 million is about is taking money that we would normally be investing in quite important capital projects, investing in infrastructure, investing in uh, the player and so on, that we have had to delay investment in those areas. So... Uh, again it's by no means ideal but again we have to show that we are playing our part in dealing with the current financial um, obstacles we're facing
0: But most companies and you are a company if you're in a position whereby you had to make investment for the future you would have to set priorities and you would have to look at closing down certain Mm -hmm. things or selling certain things to justify that investment Has enough ambition been actually shown in getting rid of things because what you announced yesterday sort of digital channels or RT plus one Mm -hmm. how much money are you going to save by those measures?
1: Those are not enormous cost-saving measures. That, that isn't the point of closing those channels. We want to use those people and, and that money to reinvest in content that's available to audiences, particularly young audiences. In the case of the digital radio stations, uh, where they're looking for content, so namely on demand, you know, on our new audio app when we have that, and creating podcasts and so on. And so we want to move resource around. So that those particulars, they will save us a bit of money, but those are not costs. Those are not essentially savings-driven, they're about reprioritizing some resources in the organisation.
0: But then, if you are looking to the future, and if you are going to be putting more money into things like the RT player, which regarded as essential, do you, need to consider, do you need to consider things like selling or closing, for example, 2FM, mm. given that that costs money to run, that you might be able to use better elsewhere? Mm.
1: So we, uh, I mean, 2FM is always is is always questioned. I mean, the thing I would say about 2FM is, firstly, in terms of as a public service broadcaster, it's one of our most successful services in reaching young audiences, um, and those are audiences that are very hard for um, for for um, public service broadcasters to reach, and for other um, traditional media to reach as well. So it's very important in that way. They've got some fantastic, creative people on the team, and actually, in real terms, we look quite closely at this. Um, you know the the um, the audience figures are very good in the last set of books here, and two uh, FM. You know, if you move beyond the attributed costs, which is always a question of you know what what costs within the organisation you put on two FM, if you take those out, two um, FM essentially breaks even.
0: But I suppose people wonder about what genuine public service does it actually create or does it actually serve mm. given that it is served by other competitors? And the same might be asked of a lot of your television programming as well, is how much of it is actually done because there's a genuine public service in it, or how much of it is broadcast because basically you're using it to make money?
1: Yeah, so I think this comes down to your central view of what is public service, and I think that was really clearly defined, first of all, in the Broadcasting Act and the remit of RT, and secondly, reasserted re- in the excellent work of the Future of Media Commission, which is uh, and the first thing both of those mention is entertainment, actually, funnily enough. It's not news and current affairs, which you'd think or Irish language or arts and culture. And my view about public service broadcasting and public service media is you need to be relevant. You need to offer something for everyone. And a really important part of what we do actually is entertainment um, uh, and engaging all audiences. And 2FM plays a really important role in in both those areas and also in developing new talent, too.
0: Let me ask you about the job losses that there are going to be. It has been suggested 380 to 400. Now, it's not all going to be redundancies, is it? It's going to be, in about 150 cases, retirements. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's actually only about 250 redundancies you're looking for, isn't it?
1: Well, not precisely. Uh, what I said was we have around 150 people retiring in the next few years. So, clearly, some of those people have to be replaced because they're, you know, they're in roles that we can't just shut down. Um, so that we're not necessarily going to save 150, but there is some savings there. Um, And the other thing is, you know, we've said we'll make a, a net saving of 400 posts, but there are posts we also need to invest in, such as in digital and technology and new skills. So you know overall our ambition is that we will save um there will be 400 posts smaller than we are now but so that means there could actually be
0: more than 400 people who already in rt who may go because you may need to bring in people yeah, we need to manage outside. that. yes
1: that's right we we need to manage that carefully i mean 400 is that we 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 looked at when we were doing the plan it was between 380 and 400 um posts so um that we thought we needed to be smaller by so we've Said 400 net, really clearly, and as I say, the retirements will help contribute to that. And as I made clear to staff and also to the unions yesterday, we have no intention. I personally have no intention of compulsory redundancies. These will be, um, you know, voluntary redundancies. So we, you know, that is, and they'll be achieved over a number of years. So, but uh, the organisation will be, you know, significantly smaller at the end of that period.
0: How can you avoid? compulsory redundancies i know it's very tough to talk about people Mm. losing their jobs in this way but that happens in other media organizations Mm. it happens in all sorts of businesses when they are facing potential extinction they actually have to be quite ruthless in deciding who it is they want to keep and who it is they want to let go Mm. how can you actually get to those numbers in a situation where previously every time there's been a voluntary redundancy program you haven't met your targets
1: yeah, I mean, to, to pick up the, the last point, the last voluntary redundancy programme we had, we let around 30 people go. We had around 200 applicants, and the only reason we only let 30 people go was that was all we could afford at that stage. So there, is, there are more people who want to avail themselves of that in the organisation than we managed to let go. Uh, in terms of your question about compulsory redundancies, um, you know, RTE is in a unique position, uh, partly because of our funding, because we are also a semi-state and we are also... a You know, a very um, unionized organization as well. And um, I don't think the right way to achieve this, and I don't think, I think RTE needs to behave in a particular way as well towards its staff. We have a responsibility to the people there. We're not a purely commercial organization, and we need to behave in a different way. And secondly, we would need to get approval from the government for compulsory redundancies. And I think the Taoiseach and the Minister have made it clear that, that there is no appetite in semi states for compulsory redundancies.
0: Okay, so that can really differentiates you from a normal commercial body, but does that necessarily mean it's for the best of the organization and allows you to reform in the way that you should?
1: I think we can achieve the reforms we need in the way that I put forward. Um and I think that's the right and the decent way to do it and uh you know we will get there and we'll We'll, we'll report back on how we're getting there and we'll measure it. And But, you know, I'm confident we can achieve that.
0: But who is RT really for? Is it for its employees or is it for the citizens of the country who pay their licence fee to fund it?
1: No, it's for audiences. I say that all the time. We are for those people who pay their licence fees. We're for our audiences. But on the other hand, you know, we have fantastic, skilled workforce and a responsibility to them. Uh, and I want to make it a great place to work as well. And my belief is... If you treat people properly and you nurture talent and you allow people the space to, to be brilliantly creative, that'll be deliver a better service to audiences.
0: But the trade union movement has already said it, it does not want 400 redundancies. It doesn't seem to want any redundancies believing that the ordinary workers are going to be the victims of what was done by the previous management. Do you think that because everyone knows eventually the government will bail out RT, that that will be used as pressure to dilute what you're actually suggesting for reform.
1: I'm not sure it be used as pressure or not. And yes, I heard that from one or two uh, union members. But um, look, I think the unions are very realistic. We had very good talks with them yesterday, constructive talks. Um, I gave them the reassurances that I've given publicly about the way we're going to handle this. And I think they recognise, they know what the media industry is going through in Ireland and generally at the moment, um, traditional media, and they recognise the pressures and they recognise the need for, uh, for RT to reform. And in the end, this is about being a fantastic organisation for audiences, but also for the 80% of staff who will still be there at the end of this process.
0: Of course, there was a survey done, a trust survey amongst corporates recently, of 150 major Irish corporates. RT fell to the bottom on the back of what happened with the Ryan Tobody situation. You mentioned yesterday that 90% of the population engage with RT in some way in the course of the week, be it television, radio or whatever. But how long do you think is it going to be before you regain the trust? Or will you ever regain the trust? Is it that there's a large part of the population to whom RT no longer matters?
1: Look, uh, all I can look at is the the number of people who who use RT, who watch and listen to RT and and use our content online. And as you said rightly, that's 90% every week. So we're very relevant when you lose trust like this, it's a process to rebuild it. We have to demonstrate publicly day in, day out, that we've taken the measures to address the failures that have happened. Um, and, you know, I'm confident in the end we will we will rebuild trust with audiences. And we also have to demonstrate on air day in, day out, the quality of our content and the reliability of our news and current affairs and some of the core things we offer audiences. And I've seen other organizations that lose trust. You lose trust quickly, It takes a, it takes much longer to rebuild it. But you can rebuild it, and and actually, we measure out quite regularly the trust levels in our audience, so that we can keep an eye on it. And um, we have it has started to rebuild. It has it did fall significantly after the events of the summer, but trust levels are rising.
0: There's actually one other one I want to, and it goes back to the government funding of media because there might be those in the private sector who would say they do public service broadcasting as well and i know particularly in the newspaper industry that many are angry that you have a website which effectively has gone into competition Mm. with their efforts to move from newsprint over to digital if the government was to set up a new mechanism of collecting money would you be happy to see some of that shared with private sector media for what they do in public service
1: I think it's an extremely good idea and it was one of the main recommendations on funding by the Future of Media Commission which was, you know, there's a pot of money RT, get a certain amount TG Carrey get a certain amount and there's a significant pot then for other public service type content and I'm wholly in favour of trying to support Irish media where we can and I think we need to look at also our role in what more we can do as an organisation a publicly funded organisation to help support other media organisations in Ireland because that's great for democracy
0: Kevin Backers, Director General of RT, thank you for joining us. The last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4 30.
1: Today